So we're going to continue on in the series we're doing called, Who Do You Think You Are? Uh, This is about our identity in Christ, who we are in Him. And we've spent some weeks talking about that. The last couple of weeks, we've moved in now to uh, looking at the Beatitudes as the attitudes that um, are being developed in us as we operate by the Holy Spirit, uh, with the Holy Spirit, as uh, citizens of the kingdom. And so we've talked about being poor in spirit, and we define that. We we talked about what it means to mourn last week. This week, we're going to talk about meekness and what meekness is. And it's very interesting. Um, I I think a lot of people mistake meekness with weakness, and they see it as a uh, like a, not a good thing, but meekness is very important uh, attitude that we need to develop, and we'll talk about why in a minute. Uh, so that's a tra- intro. Transition, always a bad joke or two. Pastor Billy texted me this week. Actually, it's Pastor Billy and Angie texting Alice and I, and uh, we get these bad jokes. They're very bad. Uh, so I wanted to share with you what happens on my phone. What do you call a shotgun wedding in the Caribbean? Jamaican me marry you. So you can thank... Pastor Billy for that. When you see him, he'll be here next month. Oh, yeah, and then this guy, his wife was really upset with him because he has no sense of direction. So he, he packed up his stuff and write. I'm sorry, that's really funny. No, sense of direction. Packed up his stuff and normally it would be... Oh, wow. I still think it's funny. Alice and I took a chance and bought a used food processor the other day, but no dice. Okay, scripture reading, I'm done with that. Psalm 37, (laughs) verses 1 through 11. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. And blessed be the word of the Lord. As I said, today I want to look at Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Remember the idea behind that word blessed? Uh, you know, in some translations it's happy and that that's a you know, part of it, but it's really about uh, blessed, it's really about walking in His way. Uh, it's the, the word is kind of the opposite there of the word for sin, which is walking in our own way. And so uh, that's the idea behind these attitudes. It's, it's a, the attitude that the Holy Spirit is developing in us so that we can walk in His way and experience the life that He came for us to have. So let's dig in. Point number one, what does it mean to be meek? What does it mean to be meek? Well, remember I've told you that the Beatitudes, they build on each other, these attitudes, and uh, we start with the idea, the the reality that we're broken and that in our own strength, we're unable to be the people that God created us 
to be. And so um, it, we, we are constantly aware of our desperate need for God in our lives, that, that we need Jesus desperately every moment, every day. And, and the, that morning is that in our own strength, we just can't do it. And we, we, uh, no matter how hard we try, but we can rest in him and trust in him and find life. And, and so in this beatitude... Jesus introduces the idea of meekness. And meekness is a mixture of humility and gentleness that comes from realizing the truth about who we really are and and how desperate we are for Jesus. And that we don't have to keep pretending to be something we're not and that we can trust God in every aspect of our lives. And, and, And Jesus does this great... Um, gives us a great picture of meekness in John chapter 13 when he washes his disciples' feet. And so I want to look at that with you. So, so get in, in you. The idea of meekness, it's, it's a gentleness, it's humility, it's a strength under control. And those things are developed by the Spirit because it's not really natural, um, you know, to respond to situations. Does anybody here ever respond negatively in a situation? Perhaps not the way that you should. Perhaps too quick. Um, you know, all those. <laughs> we were driving. So this this weekend, uh, this during during this week, um, we were invited to a conference up in Tampa by one of the churches that had helped us greatly after the storm. And so Alice and I went, and and uh, Doug and Kim uh, went, and, and they had Doug and Kim helping lead worship there. And Alice and I were there, and we were sharing about the uh, you know the hurricane and things that happened. And we're driving, uh, I'll tell you more about that, but as we're driving back to the airport to come home and uh, we're listening to the GPS tell us how to get there and I'm watching the pictures and I'm driving and uh, anyway, it says be in the middle lane. And, and so I was in the middle lane and, and it says be in the middle, very clearly I had Doug looking at it too and the middle lane took us and drove us right past the airport on the way there. And I, I, that, you know that feeling of absolute frustration and just wanting to throw things out? How can, it, how can this possibly be? Uh, and we, we pulled it together pretty quickly. But you get it that sometimes we don't always respond or somebody cuts us off or somebody does those things. Sometimes we're not right there. But meekness is the reality that, you know, he's got us and he's for us and he's with us and that these things that, are, that are, tend to want to get our goat, for lack of a better word, they really usually don't mean anything, and he's helping us with our response. So watch what happens in John 13, 1 through 17, as Jesus uh, washes the disciples' feet. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. See, Jesus knew who he was. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. 
But Jesus answered, a person who's had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you're clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. There's that word blessed again. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So in this context, Jesus, he knows who he was, and, and uh, he, he settled in all of that. He, he knows where he's come from. He knows where he's going. And so he doesn't struggle with position. He, he knows who he is. He knows all those things. He's settled in his identity. That's why this series is so important. It's important that you know your, who you are in him, uh, that you, you understand your identity in him, that you're his beloved child, that he loves you with this amazing everlasting love, that you're, the scripture says, you are the apple of his eye. Uh, it says, it is, I don't know why it's doing that. Must be me. That you're his workmanship. I love that word, workmanship, because in the original language, it's poema, where we get the word poem from. You're his poem. You're his masterpiece. It could be uh, brought that way. And I, I love that picture. I love the idea of uh, a, a patchwork, a needlework. Uh, and if you've ever seen anybody do needle uh, point. Um, when, when you look at the finished project from the correct side, it's really amazing usually how it works. But if you look at it on the other side, it's a big mess, right? It's a big knotted, gnarly, doesn't look like anything kind of mess. Well, I, I, think, I love this idea. Like, so at some level, you're, you're like his, his needlework, his, his creation. And so from his side, the, the, it's, it's a beautiful picture of what's going on. But we look at that same thing and we're looking at it from this side and it's this big mess and there's all these knots and things and you go, how can that be part of the process? But from the finished, completed side, it looks really good. See, so that's how he's looking at us. But we, we tend to see this knotted, messy thing. So I like to think of it this way. Maybe this will help you. You're his beautiful mess. Maybe that'll help settle you in who you are. You're his beautiful mess. And he's, he's at work with you in the process. And, and, and so grabbing a hold of it, this is the essence of meekness. It allows us to be settled in his love so that we can stop striving to try and be something that we're not. Uh, and in the peace that comes from stopping the striving, we can really find uh, life and, uh, by living for Jesus. And, and so let's look at, uh, a little bit into that story that I just read about when Jesus goes to wash Peter's feet. What's really going on there? Why is Peter so... Um, you know, like, no, 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 not you. All right. So verses six through eight, he came to Simon Peter and said, Lord, you're, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. He said, nope, nope, says Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Now, we know from the gospel of Luke that during this last supper, um, the disciples were arguing amongst themselves about who was the greatest. They're still having this argument. This is Jesus, really, his last relational time with them prior to the crucifixion. Pretty important moment. And, and rather than just kind of hanging out there with Jesus, they're, they're arguing 
about who's the greatest in the kingdom. Luke twenty two twenty four says, A dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. And so here's the, the deal that's happening at the, at the Last Supper. In the room, there would have been a, uh, a basin and a towel and some water for foot washing. It would have already been there. And uh, everybody would know that it was there. It was sitting there. It was going to be part of, this, part of this meal. It was part of the deal that this would take place. Well, the job of foot washing usually went to the lowest of the servants. And so all these guys are striving for position, right? And so what they're waiting for, the argument, what they're waiting for is who's going to be the one that washes everybody else's feet. And if you're busy trying to be the greatest, you know it's not you. Well, Jesus, who's totally settled in who he is, he just gets up and he wraps the towel around his waist and he begins to wash his feet. Peter's objection is, no, Lord, not you. What he really wants is, no, Lord, you don't understand. We're having this whole discussion about who's the greatest, and I'm pretty sure it's me, right? And he kind of gives him the big wink. And uh, I I didn't want you to wash everybody's feet. It's got to be one of these guys we're trying to make a point. And and it's because he's he's so not settled yet in who he is that it's, it's all... What position do I hold? And culturally, we get stuck in that all the time. Where we think, you know, we start to think, though, oh, somebody else should be doing that. That's kind of beneath me. I don't have to do that. And that's not the, the heart that brings us life. And, and so knowing who you are just allows you to be sort of um, used by the Father in situations. And so instead of striving to be something, uh, you, you know, because if you're trying to be something that you're not created to be and it's not really in you, even if you achieve it, it's not life-giving. And so it's so much better to just understand who you are and then live life that way. And then the promise is, point number two, that the meek will inherit the earth. And that you know, it really contradicts what we understand culturally. To, uh, in, in our own culture, um, it's, the idea is kind of that to the strong goes the spoils. And so the, the culture really thinks in terms of power, ability, self-promotion, aggressiveness. The more you push and assert yourself, the more likely you are to succeed. And I think that catches up to us too. Airport traveling again. I have, I have to really watch myself in airports because I will often try and push my way into the front of a line. Nobody else ever do that? nicely. But you know, when they call your row number, I want to be like the first one. I don't know why, but if I'm neck and neck with somebody else, I really, I should give way, right? My wife always reminds me, but it's not always, it's not always my nature. It's a reminder. I, I still have work to do because what difference does it make? Those little things in life, do you ever take those and you get, when you start sort of recognizing them, that the Holy Spirit is teaching you with, he uses those things to teach you and you start to get a bigger picture about you know, probably not right about a lot of things yet. And that the Holy Spirit has some, you know, he wants, this is what he's looking for. Only so that I can experience the life that he wants me to see that he's all about us living life that that's really the kind of life that he made us for. So uh, culturally, we have that going on. But in this beatitude, this idea of meekness, um, we see differently. And this particular beatitude, Jesus is actually paraphrasing Psalm 37, which is the psalm that I read you in our scripture reading. And so what this psalm tells us, instead of striving and pushing and, and all those things um, in our own strength, what we need to do is, and he gives us some ideas, the psalmist does, little letter A under there, is we need to trust. We, we need to trust. Psalm 37.3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land 
and enjoy safe pasture. So, see, God is trustworthy. And I think a big part of what happens on uh, this, this temporary time that we have, you know, until we're with Him forever, is that He's helping us learn to trust Him. And, and that he proves himself over and over and over again. He's, he's beautiful for situations. We can, we can trust in the Lord. As we were preparing for that conference that we just did in Tampa, Alice and I spent a lot of time talking about the events of a year ago and, and sort of having to relive them and think about them and what was going on. And uh, it was funny, uh, in the lead up to the storm and the, those silly models are doing that 90-degree turn right at us. I hated that model. That proved to be exactly right. I'm like, that can't happen. No one can predict a storm doing this <laughs> at this spot right below us. Apparently they can. So uh, <laughs> my, my meteorological expertise is not nearly as good as I thought it was. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we were talking about that. Well, as that thing kept coming and we were kind of wondering what to do. Alice had a dream in the night, and the Lord woke her up, and more of a wake-up time, and said, go and read this verse. And uh, it was sort of an obscure Old Testament verse in Zechariah. It was chapter 9, verses 14 through 16. If you, if you want to go and read it, you can. And uh, it's a, it's a, ultimately, it's a great verse, but it talks about the Lord riding in and the storms of the south. In the world, there is whirlwinds of the south. And, uh, and, you know, don't worry, in the end, I'm going to make you, uh, you know, I, I've got you in my hands and you're going to shine like stars or, you know, it's close enough. It's, it's that sort of picture. I'm, I'm wickedly paraphrasing that. But she tells me that the next morning and I, I look at it and I think, listen, I want you to go back to sleep and get a different verse. <laughs> See if you could get like Matthew 8 where the, the Jesus calms the storm and it goes away. I'm looking for that one. This one is filled with hope, but it doesn't look like he's going to squash the storm. It's like, hey, I'm going to be with you in the storm. And, and it proved to be exactly where the heart of the Lord was. But, but here's the thing with that verse, but, but even in life and, and, and when the evacuating and everything happened and deep down, not knowing what was going to happen here and, you know, honestly thinking it could absolutely all be gone. And for some folks, that's what they experienced. But deep down, I knew that I could trust him, that... that it, it, I could trust him that in this, this life, he's trustworthy. It, I may not get the result that I want all the time, but he's still God and he's still trustworthy and he's still got me. And, and at some level, there's a rest in that that some people can't experience and he's got us. I, I know it was very difficult and at different levels for everybody, but, but God is still trustworthy. And so we trust him. B, we delight in him. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. When you're delighting yourself in the Lord, the reason that you... See, the ultimate desire of your heart is to be in relationship with the Lord. It's, it's in there. It's part of who you are. And so when you're delighting in him, he's, that stuff is just happening. You get that there's nothing better than being in relationship with Jesus. He's, he's already given you his very best. You have eternal life. It's nothing better than that. And that desire becomes more about just spending time with him and drawing closer to him. Commit. See, commit. Psalm 37, 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and you will do this. So you can trust in him and, and, and uh, uh, your, your desire is him. And so you just commit your life to the Lord. I want to do it your way. Your way is always better than my way. And, and I want to do your way every day. And then in that we find rest. That's D rest. Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked 
schemes. And then the psalmist goes on to say that living that way results in inheriting the land and living in great peace. And inheriting the the land means ultimately you don't have to be afraid of anybody or anything because God is in control. And, And fear gets out of the way. And then you can really settle in His love for you and who you are in Him. And you don't have to strive. And you can just really thrive in His rest and in His peace. Life isn't found in circumstances. It's found in living for Him. You can trust Him to take care of you. And then you can experience the life that he has for you. So this idea of meekness then, we we, we stop being consumed with living for ourselves and we start living for him and that's where we experience life, the very life that he came to give us. So think about that beatitude this week and how it sort of fits into the ones that we've talked about and oops, we'll pick up the, uh, that's my timer going off. I hit that pretty close, right?